Welcome back in to the Future Sox Roundup. My name is Mike Rankin. I'll be your host. Alongside us, Elijah Evans. As always, we're back this week because that's what we do. We record episodes of the Future Sox Roundup for your weekend, and we cover the Chicago White Sox affiliates and the performances of, of specific prospects. This week, we are celebrating Jonathan Cannon, who has an opportunity to pitch in the Futures game. He will represent the Chicago White Sox in that regard. Also, Colson Montgomery. We had our guy Jeff Cohen all over the place. He also talked to Jonathan Cannon. We talked to Colson Montgomery and Cam Seitzer out in Charlotte regarding Oscar Colas. So we're going to listen to all those interviews and also react to some of the news related to Cannon and Colson and uh, Oscar Colas as well. Victor Reyes is having an unbelievable season in AAA. I wanted to talk about it. Elijah wanted to talk about it as well. So we'll get there. The draft is upcoming on Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday. We are covering it at Future Sox. Elijah has thoughts. The White Sox pick at number 15. I'm curious to hear what he has to say about the potential names. And there's uh, one other bit of information that I'd like to talk to you about, and we'll get there uh, momentarily. First, though, let's introduce Elijah Evans. Uh, Elijah, let's talk some of these records quickly as Charlotte, 36 and 47, Birmingham, 28 and 49, Winston Salem, 38 and 37, Kannapolis, 41 and 36. Overall, the farm system, I think, is performing how we expected, considering this is essentially the trend all year long with the possible call-ups, right, moving forward when it comes to the draft, we're looking for more talent to be infused into this farm system, and we're seeing already some guys like Jonathan Cannon uh, get recognized as among the best, but finally we are seeing guys like Terrell Tatum getting promoted, Tim Elko, we covered this in previous episodes, so hopefully these records do get better, and we're looking at Charlotte Birmingham specifically, they're struggling a little bit, but that's just the state of the farm system right now. Elijah, Jonathan Cannon, is pitching in the Futures game. So much to celebrate for Cannon's season. You know, he's often described as a pitcher with a high floor. We're going to hear what he had to say to Jeff Cohen. But overall, the profile of Jonathan Cannon is somebody that you can safely project to be in the Chicago White Sox system. I should say the Chicago White Sox rotation soon. Yeah, I, I love Cannon. You know, we've talked about him many times uh, on this podcast, and he's just a really exciting arm. I think you look at him and you see a guy who knows how to pitch. It, you're going to hear it from with Jeff later. You know, he, he's got a really intricate pitch mix. He's smart about how he mixes stuff. He's just a quality pitcher. He's not going to overpower you the same way that a lot of other top prospects and other systems may, but he's a guy that is has great pitchability. He's smart. He limits his walks. He's got a good ground ball rate. He just knows how to attack batters, make them uncomfortable in, in pitches, the way, he's, the way he approaches things, the way he goes about things. Um, just a good pitch overall. And it's just it's good to see him get some get some credit and some flowers for how he's been this year. You know, his his numbers might not fully reflect it. I think he's been better than his numbers show right now. Um, and it's just been, you know, a few games where he's gotten in some trouble with some some hard hit balls based on the way he pitches. And, you know, guys run into some pitches and he misses a few spots and then he's going to give up a good amount of runs. And that that's why his ERA is in the mid threes as opposed to, you know, the low threes or even even below that, frankly. Um, so I, I think Cannon's a guy that we we expect to make an impact for this team. And he's this is a great first full season. And, you know, we've seen him pitch consistently he's remained healthy he's already got 70 plus innings under his belt um and we're in july right so he's he's going to be over 100 innings this year as long as he can you know stay healthy continue to work on his game and, and do everything he's been doing um i think we're gonna we're gonna see him continue to rise through the system very quickly yeah nearing 15 starts on the season in winston-salem hasn't blinked and 
you know, just base runners and limit the base runners and everything will fall into place. But he is doing exactly what the White Sox are looking for in terms of the projection for Jonathan Cannon. Let's learn a little bit more about Cannon and his repertoire, as well as what Jeff Cohen got out of Cannon about participating in the All-Star Futures game. I found out about about two weeks ago, and I mean, obviously, I was I was super excited. Um, it, it really wasn't on my radar, um, and our uh, our farm director called me, and I was at first I was like, I like, why is he calling me? Like, I don't like I, I didn't had no idea what was about to happen. So uh, I, I was excited when he told me that I was going to be able to represent the White Sox, and it's a it's a really big opportunity for me, and I really appreciate it. So um, I kind of went into this year playing around with. Um, six pitches like the four seam the sinker the cutter the curve slider and change and it was it was kind of just like a see what sticks sort of deal i went to the off season and like really worked on the four seam and the curveball those were the two hardest pitches for me to pick up and really what was missing from my pitch mix in college and i was able to get those to a point where i felt really comfortable with them and there really wasn't a pitch that was like low-hanging fruit that i needed to can so i just after talking with um eli and pitching coordinators and, and whoever, we, we decided we were going to stick with all of them and um, and, and see if it works. And it, and it really has. And um, it, it makes throwing a lot easier when you got that many weapons. And there really isn't a pitch that I'm afraid to throw in any count or not worried about throwing it for a strike or whatever. Like, I feel pretty comfortable with, with all my pitches. Wow, that's pretty impressive because because um, your walk rate is really low. So you are having success throwing strikes. Um, yes, sir. Do you have an out pitch? Like, there's like, I need to get this guy. I'm gonna throw in my slider. Um, I, I think it's just um, more of a sequencing thing for me. I mean, I, I think that my forcing, my slider, and my curveball are my big swing and miss pitches. When you look at just like the whiff rates, um, so it's just kind of like figuring out like what order to use the pitches in when, when I need a strikeout. And I think that's something that just working with Eli all year, he's been so helpful um, in figuring out. Hey, with guys on base, like let's let's go to that sequence and let's get a strikeout. I think I've done a, a good job of getting strikeouts when I need to, and I've and I've seen some elevated strikeout games recently. So Elijah, I thought it was really fun to hear the repertoire, the pitch mix, four seam, two seam, cutter, slider, change, curveball, and the fact that they wanted to make it a priority for Cannon to work on the four seam fastball and curveball because you know when you're working with what he was good at coming out of the draft. That's his sinker or two seam plus his cutter that there's natural run to his fastball. And also his best pitch as a cutter can be thrown in the multitude of ways. It could be tight. It could be hard. And that more so looks like a slider, but working in a straight fastball and a curveball along with the changeup, it's just, you could tell that that's a complete repertoire. Not all pitchers are able to do it, but that's the type of pitcher that we're talking about here with Jonathan Cannon, somebody who's not going to blow you away with velocity, but location and that's sort of the reason why we uh, kind of limit his ceiling but often recognize him as having a high floor is because he can work a multitude of pitches in the strike zone and pound strikes consistently yeah I think you really heard it in the interview with Jeff and Jeff does a great job you know getting getting these questions and really getting players to dive into their their ability um, with us but you know he he understands himself I think with Cannon I think that can be really important at a young age for pitchers is to understand where they are able to make their money and where they're able to work at the peak of their abilities. He knows himself and he knows that he has to be creative and crafty and understand what he's doing and create an approach against hitters to get guys out. And that has been a huge reason why he's been able to succeed this year is mixing those pitches like he talked about, 
understanding, you know, throwing guys off, mixing the speeds a little there. Like you said, with the cutter, it's, it's interesting. That pitch can really be a lot of different things for him, whether it's, you know, a first strike, a first pitch strike with the cutter. That's just, you know, a straight, a more of a sharp cutter. He can make it into a little bit more of a slider with a little more depth to it, a little more run on it. So I think, you know, we're, we're seeing Cannon really grow into this pitcher who gets himself and is serious with his pitch ability, with his approach. He understands how to mix and match, throw guys off. And that's just, that's the type of pitcher he is. And those pitchers are fun to watch. And it's, you know, it's not a overpower you with stuff. It's not a Dylan Cease throwing one of the best sliders in baseball and, and pairing it with this crazy fastball. But it's a guy who mixes and matches. He has a lot of different stuff to work with. And he knows how to get guys out. And that is that is really impressive. And I think it's going to keep getting better. I mean, the more he works on all of these different pitches, if he if he's a guy who can, on any given day, throw five different pitches at, to a decent, at least a decent quality on each one of them, that can be a really solid pitcher. And I know we, we talk floor, floor, floor with him being so high, but, you know, mm-hmm. he, he, could, he could elevate that ceiling if he keeps getting all these pitches better with time. Yeah, I think it's important to mention that he's out there 70-plus innings so far this year, and like we said, he's making every start. So Jonathan Cannon, his first full professional season handling Winston-Salem. We hope to see him at Birmingham by the end of the year, and we'll we'll see him in the Futures game. That's quite the honor for the soon-to-be 23-year-old right-handed pitcher. That's Jonathan Cannon, and that's also Elijah Evans. Uh, Let's move on to Colson Montgomery because – Colson Montgomery is in Winston-Salem, and Jeff Cohen was in Winston-Salem. Jeff talked to Colson, but first let's hear some highlights courtesy Andrew Murphy in the dash. 2-2 is ripped, a line drive, base hit into right field. Jacob Burke comes home to score. Aponte fields in the corner. Colson headed for second. He slides and is safe. He's got a multi-hit night. Swung on, ripped, a line drive into right field. Base hit for Colson Montgomery. A two-out single puts him at three for four on the night. So before we get to the interview here, Elijah, looking at Colson Montgomery's build suggests that shortstop may be difficult for him at the major league level, but so far so good. We don't want to dismiss the idea that he can be a shortstop in the big leagues because that is very much on the table. Could profile as a third baseman. But right now, all indications suggest he's a shortstop. And I just love the way he goes about his business at the plate. I completely agree. Um, you know, I think Colson has done a really good job erasing any potential concerns that we had uh, coming off his injury. You know, it's it's never good to see, you know, a top prospect start on the shelf. And I think he missed more time than I think a lot of people expected necessarily. But he has done everything needed in these first few games uh, to show us that he is still everything we think he can be. Um, you know, with the glove, with the bat, as we've talked about before, his approach is unbelievable i have seen very few 21 year old hitters with the approach that colson montgomery has and i think that is going to continue to translate as he rises through the minor leagues and as he reaches the major leagues i mean he his walk rate is unbelievable so far uh, in the minors and you know he really just understands using what he's given and working with that he drives the ball all over the field the power is still coming i think it's going to get there with time um but you know he does a great job at taking what he's given, putting it where he needs to, driving line drives through the holes, taking the pitch where it's, you know, where it's coming. You know, he he doesn't try to do too much. And he knows that if he just stays within himself, he's a phenomenal hitter. And then beyond that, you know, we we talked about you talked a little bit about him saying at shortstop. I think a year ago, two years ago, people thought he wasn't going to be a shortstop. Tim Anderson was going to be the White Sox guy for a long time. Um, and you know, he was going to have to be a third baseman, second baseman, whatever it might be. 
And I think with, you know, this, the future of TA is a little bit more murky right now. Um, and I think just generally, I, I think Colson looks like he can be a shortstop. He's shown some range in these first few games. He's shown he's got the arm strength, obviously. I, yeah, he could definitely profile a third base um, given his size. But I think he could be a really good shortstop. I mean, we're seeing more and more in this era of baseball, some of these tall, big athletes that are playing shortstop and doing a good job of it. You look at both the both O'Neill Cruz and Ellie De La Cruz and uh, Pittsburgh and Cincinnati, and those guys are both playing some shortstop here and there. And, you know, it's it's definitely possible. And I think Colson has done a good job, you know, at developing all his different skills and showing that he he can play shortstop. He's going to have an approach. He can drive the ball. I mean, he he's just a really exciting player, and I, I can't wait to see him um, in Chicago, hopefully sooner than later. There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed, and that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash sports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash sports. That's Indeed.com slash sports. And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash sports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, I, I don't think it's out of the question that we'll see Colson Montgomery in Chicago at the end of 2024. If all things go well, I mean, there's there's a lot to that. But you're right, Elijah. I, I'm with you. I share the same sort of feelings about Colson Montgomery. And, you know, I haven't had a chance really to hear him speak. So let's let's do that now. Jeff Cohen had an opportunity to meet with Colson Montgomery in Winston-Salem. You got to deal with adversity sooner or later. So, I mean, right. I mean, I'm glad I'm dealing with it. I guess I'm glad dealing with adversity when I'm younger. So then when I'm older, I know how to know how to cope with it and everything. But I mean, it just gave me more motivation to get back out here. And now that I'm out here, I'm hoping I can bring a little spark and fire to the to the guys who've ever already played a first full season. Yeah. How did you hurt yourself? Was there something one thing you did or? Uh, you know, no, it was just kind of a freak thing. Just swing the bat, pretty much. So yeah. that's all I was. Yeah, and obviously fine now. Your mm-hmm. swing must feel pretty good. Yeah. You look like you're pretty dialed in. Yeah, we did a good job of building up and all that stuff when I was in Arizona. So now I'm, I'm a normal guy. I feel great. You know, I'm ready to get rolling. What I always say is it's, just, it's the same game. Right. You know what I mean? It doesn't really matter where you're at. When I was in Arizona, I treated it like I was in Birmingham or if I was in, in high A, especially because I knew I was going to come here for a little bit. So mm-hmm. it's just always stay prepared because, you know, same thing happens every single day here. We come to the ballpark and play nine inning games. You know, right. that's that's for certain. We know tomorrow's going to come. We're going to have another game. So right. that's all I all I really focus on. And is did I read that the plan is for you to be here about a week and then go to Birmingham? Did you read it? Your guess is as good as mine. Uh, I'm, I'm not for sure. I could have, I'm pretty sure. That's... I'm just worried about tonight, you know. All right. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to put you on these the seven inning games. I won't put you on the spot, but yeah. I thought I had read that. Yeah, maybe. I, yeah. I'm not for sure. Yeah. I'm just. I know I got seven innings tonight, and then we got games tomorrow. You know. Right. So, so that's all you can worry about in exactly. this game, especially. Right. 
And uh, so, what do you work on in, when you're down here in Winston-Salem? Um, is there anything in particular like in the batter's box that you're working on? Uh, just pretty much what I always do, just trying to have good at bats, competitive at bats. When I have two strikes on me, just I pretty much just try and make it as hard as it can be on the pitcher. You know, I don't want anything to be easy. I want to, I want to be an, a, a hard out. You know, right. I don't want to be an easy out. So I want when I come up to the box, the pitcher's like, all right, I got to lock in. You know, so it's just trying to hit the ball hard. You know, play hard, hustle. Just especially like what I said earlier is I'm trying to create a little fire for these guys who have been playing already half season. You know, I'm right. I'm fresh, so I'm hoping I can just oh, bring, yeah. be a little spark. I think what's so impressive after listening to that Elijah is the fact that you know he just stays within himself. He doesn't try to do too much. He's not overwhelmed by the level. It's just baseball and he knows how to play baseball and it just seems like he's a quiet, confident young man and he's also somebody who described the injury as a freak occurrence and it was a back and that I guess developed after just the wear and tear of working as a baseball player, taking swings and you get hurt and now he says he's 100%. So, I mean, that's really encouraging. But I felt like he was radiating confidence when he was describing his experience in Winston-Salem and just staying within himself. Yeah, he, he's a really confident guy. Um, you know, hearing more in-depth stuff from Jeff was amazing. Um, I got to talk to Colson a little bit in Arizona this past spring. And he just, he's very, he's a hard worker. He wants to be there. He wants to keep getting better. I mean, that's his, you can just tell his demeanor is like, I'm here. I'm going to every, no matter where I'm at, no matter what step I'm at, I'm going to keep getting better. I'm just going to be working towards it. You know, he he kind of dodged um, the question of when do you think you're heading to Birmingham when talking to Jeff? And that's that's the responsible thing to do, right? And he knows that. Um, he understands that. But at the same time, I don't I don't really think it bothers him at all, whether no matter where he is right now, he's rehabbing. And when he, you know, when he eventually goes to Birmingham, when he's going to eventually become a White Sox, I really think for him, it's just he does a really good job of staying focused, knowing himself, continuing to work at the things he needs to work at. And like you said, staying within himself, he, he, he knows who he is. He's confident in himself as a baseball player. And I don't think he lets the expectation get to him too much. I know being the top prospect in the White Sox system and where he's at, um, he's got a lot on his shoulders and I think he takes it really well. And he understands, you know, I just got to do me and continue to work and get better. And and I'm excited to see what the future holds for him because I, I think it's going to be really exciting. Yeah, he's recognized around the evaluator circles, um, you know, prospect evaluation sites, top 30 right now, a top 30 prospect in the entire league. Um, so awesome. That's something to celebrate as fans of the Chicago White Sox. And when you have talent up the middle, hey, they drafted him in the first round. That's a prep shortstop, a little bit older at 19. But still, this is some of the fruits of, of that decision right now is Colson Montgomery developing and having time to develop and, you know, Staying within himself, I think it's it's all phenomenal because uh, we have to celebrate. We have to celebrate some stuff. And here's something else that we can celebrate as well. Our guy, Jeff Cohen. Can you believe it? He was out in Charlotte as well earlier in the week talking to Cam Seitzer. Now, this is a interesting one because Oscar Colas' development has not been um, linear to some extent, right? He was up and then he was down and now he's back up. And I think at the beginning of the year, it was clear the White Sox wanted intent. They wanted something to go on when it comes to the schedule of what he has to do every day, the pregame routines, the mindset going into ball games, understanding what pitchers are doing to him. That was something that the White Sox held a high standard. And 
Colas struggled in his first attempt at big league play. He went down to Charlotte, and here's what Camp Seitzer had to say, the hitting coach of the Charlotte Knights, courtesy Jeff Cohen, related to Oscar Colas and what he was working on prior to his latest call-up to the White Sox. Do you have a number, like on his O-swing or anything, that would quantify just how much no, improvement he made? Yeah, no, no number or percentage I don't have off the top of my head, but the amount of quality work that he put in and solid intent in the cage and batting practice, I mean, it was... It was good. He made some serious strides um, and then continued the process and the power started to come and put, started to put things together. He always hit the ball hard, it seemed like. A lot of line drives, but never any lift, never any long balls. Was that something conscious that you guys talked about, like to try and improve his launch angle a little bit? Nothing uh, to improve launch angle, more so timing. Because um, if he just continued the path that he was on, um, and just start a little bit sooner. He'd click the ball at a more of a positive approach, so he'd lift the ball. So it was more so a timing thing, more than uh, trying to lift, because that can cause some problems in itself. So if you start the swing a little earlier, you're hitting the ball a little more on the upswing? Yeah, it just pushes your contact point out front a little bit. Um, and then the, the seven home runs in seven days, uh, how do you even account for that? How do you do it? When you're hot, you're hot. Uh, he's seen the ball great, uh, really good, because he put some A swings on some really, really tough pitches, especially two strikes, late count, battling. Um, and he just, yeah, he, he, he was very, very hot when he, he left, so it was a good time for him to go. So you heard it there, Elijah. Seitzer talked about intent, and you know we mentioned it as well. This has sort of been the story with Colas, and also something that stood out to me was the fact that you know, it's not so much changing the launch angle when it comes to lifting the, the baseball in the air. It's swing timing. And if you're out in front a little bit earlier, the natural bat path will put the ball in play, right, in the air. And Colas so far hasn't necessarily changed too much in his mechanics, apparently, although it seems like it's just a mindset thing, Elijah. Yeah, I think with Oscar, um, you know, it's it's just adjusting and learning how to approach big league stuff and, and timing and, you know, having a little bit of a more concrete approach and way of thinking about and plan of attack almost um, for what he's doing at the plate at the big leagues. And, you know, we, we've seen him be productive in the minor leagues and at AAA last year. And then again, the last few weeks, he's been tearing it up there. Um, so we know it's there. We know the talent's there. He's got a ton of raw power and strength and hitting ability. And he's, he's a great player. And we know he has the ability to be a big impact guy for the White Sox. It just, as, uh, as Cam talked about, you know, it's, it's really just continuing to, to hone in on what he needs to be doing and the approach he's taking and the intent he has when he's looking at everything he's doing and just getting used to it and getting in that rhythm of, you know, translating what he does in AAA to the major leagues. And that's hard. It's a different level of baseball. A lot of guys, I mean, the, the amount of guys that come up from AAA and struggle and it, you know, it totally puts their career off track is it, it happens a lot and it's unfortunate, but it's hard. It's a, it's a hard transition. It is major league baseball is, is a so many, it, it's such a level above everything else that it takes some time. But I think everything that Oscar worked on sounds like it was, 
was helpful and he's ready to attack the major leagues again um, now that he's back up. And I'm, I'm very excited to see what we can do for him and what he's going to do for the Sox because, you know, earlier in the year, I think they were hesitant to, to keep him up there considering how he was playing towards the end of April, especially. Um, but right now the White Sox are, are falling back. Uh, they haven't got any production from right field. They've tried about 17 guys in right field at this point, it feels like, um, and nothing's really stuck. Um, so I think, you know, the potential of what Oscar could bring to the White Sox is worth trying it. And even if he struggles a little bit, it really doesn't change the outlook of this team all that much right now. So I'm very excited to see him back in the lineup. I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, there was one little note that I'd like to talk about outside of what we have left on the episode, which is Victor Reyes, because what the hell? I mean, that guy is killing it in AAA and the Major League Baseball draft, which we will cover, like I said, on Sunday night, beginning at 6 p.m. Central Time live on the Sox Machine Twitter, our Twitter at Future Sox and on YouTube. We are getting together on August 26th to watch the Chicago White Sox, and we're calling it Future Sox Night, and you can also get a bobblehead. So if you go to Future Sox Twitter, at Future Sox, at the top of the pinned tweet section, you'll see a link that will allow you the opportunity to purchase tickets. And you can come into the patio section, which is, if you haven't gone, 90 minutes before first pitch, you're able to eat and drink all you want. That's alcoholic beverages, soda, water, and there's food. So we're going to hang out there and then go to right field. So you'll get a patio section ticket as well as a seat in right field. I hope to see you there. I want to meet the future Sox fans, the readers, the listeners, because you guys are the blood, the lifeblood of us and what we do here. We do it for you. And we just want to say, hey, and have a good time with like-minded baseball fans. Um, so hope to see you there August 26th. And get yourself a Dylan Cease bobblehead as well if you're a collector. Okay, Elijah, moving on to the final two parts of this episode. Victor Reyes in AAA. You talked about it just there in, in terms of right field. We saw Jake Marisnik gone. We saw some Clint Frazier out in the right field, Adam Hazley out in right field, of course, Gavin Sheets and Oscar Colas. But Victor Reyes, with five years of major league experience, is one of the best hitters in AAA. Uh, you, could you just touch on his season? Yeah, Reyes has been unbelievable. Um, it's kind of crazy to look at a guy who, you know, has been, he'd been in the major leagues for the most part with the Tigers for four or five years. Um, and he has just torn it up at AAA. He's been one of the best hitters in the AAA circuit this year. Um, so I, you know, I, I, I get, you know, not wanting to create a 40 man spot for him necessarily. Uh, it can be tricky with some of these, you know, minor league free agent deals that the White Sox have signed over the past few years. But I mean, I think he, he gives me, Based on what he's done in AAA, he provides more than we've gotten from a lot of these other guys we've seen, like you mentioned. Um, so I, I see no reason not to give him a chance. I think, you know, he's his stats are incredible. He's hitting over 300. He's got like 16 homers, I think. Um, he's just been he's just been a great player overall. Um, so I think it's worth a shot. I, you know, the White Sox have had some of these revolving bench player utility guys all season, uh, most which have not really done much to help the team. So, you know, it, we're at the point in the season where it's like, you, you should try something. The offense just can't seem to get on track no matter what we do. Uh, so I think it'd be worth a try to see Victor Reyes. And I've, I've been impressed with everything he's done in AAA. So let's, let's get him, let's get him a shot in Chicago. Why not? Yeah. Well, we'll see how the 40 man is adjusted because I'm sure we'll see Victor Reyes at some point. Um, I just mentioned because Every week, if you're following us, Jeff is mentioning our guy, Jeff Cohen. He's the star of the show. Uh, always mentions Victor Reyes just hitting the ball very well. Why is he not at the uh, guaranteed rate field? Why is he not in Chicago? So maybe we'll see him at some point. It doesn't matter. It, it matters to him <laughs> if you want to watch uh, meaningless baseball when the White Sox are completely out of it. Anyway, I guess it's not meaningless because of the draft and there's a lottery and all that. But you get it. With expectations, it's sad when... 
They fall so hard. Okay, last segment. Elijah, let's talk draft. I want to know what you want to see the White Sox do at number 15. There's so many possibilities. It really does all depend on the team's ahead of the White Sox. And I mean, that's a given, but this year more so than ever because of the talent pool and the way that some of these bonus uh, allotted slot values can go. So are you projecting maybe an arm, hopefully uh, a prep middle infielder? What do you think? Yeah, like you said, Mike, this draft is a really interesting one. And where the White Sox fall at 15 is so heavily dependent on what happens in front of them. Uh, I think as things are shaping up over the last few weeks, there's a really concrete, you know, seven guys, I think, clear five and probably seven that go in that top 10 no matter what. And then beyond that, that, you know, eight through 20 range is a lot of talented players and not a lot of clarity on where they're going to go. And I think there's a few guys the White Sox would love that probably won't get to them, but it's hard to say, right? I mean, I would love if either Chase Dolander of Tennessee or Noble Meyer out of uh, Oregon prep, you know, high school pitcher, if either of those guys fall to the White Sox, that would be amazing. Uh, The pitching depth, as we know, in the White Sox organization is not great. There's a few guys we've talked about recently that we really like. Um, but if there's any chance, you know, and there's been some talks of Dolander falling lately. I know he was probably the consensus pitcher number one before the year and is now, you know, the three, four, probably in terms of pitchers in this draft. Um, if Dolander fell to the White Sox, you really can't pass up on him. Uh, given the upside, I would absolutely love that for the White Sox. You know, I, my, my guy, Jack McMullen over at just baseball, uh, talked recently on the call up podcast about how, uh, you know, Dolander really struggled early in games. He had an ERA around nine in the first inning. Um, and then after, from the second inning on, he was a little a sub two ERA. So with Dolander, I really just, I, I don't love reading into results that much. I think it's, it's kind of, you know, in college, you have to, there's a balance of understanding that production does matter, but at the same time, what we've seen from him is top end potential. He has the potential to be a stud. I would love if Dolander fell. I still don't think he does, but it would be great. Noble Meyer, we've talked about a lot. I love Noble Meyer. I also don't think he falls. Uh, so then it becomes kind of if those two don't fall, it likely shifts to the hitting side of things. Um, you know, there's a lot of college bats that are all really good. And then you could also consider one of the top prep guys in like a like an Aiden Miller or a Blake Mitchell, potentially, who are guys that you could probably underslot a little bit at 15, um, just given their them being prep and, you know, a little bit more question marks there. You could potentially get them at or even under slot and then attack some higher level pitchers potentially in the second round, uh, which we've heard rumblings about the Sox going that direction in the second round. Um, There's a ton of options. It it really ultimately comes down to what happens before the White Sox, but I know there's going to be good options there and the White Sox could be lucky enough to land one of these really, really talented guys. You know, if some teams want to save some money or there's so many possibilities with this draft, but either way, I'm feeling excited about where the White Sox are going to go with the 15th. I think that's very well explained and essentially paints the picture of what we can anticipate ahead of the draft. That's Sunday night, 6 p.m. We hope you can join us. A uh, couple notes. Yeah, the Dolander thing is something that has picked up steam lately, and we're a couple of days prior to the draft. And if you're listening to this post-draft, I encourage you to go back and listen to our live stream. We're also doing a draft recap on the Future Sox podcast as well. We drop episodes every Tuesday. We drop this every weekend. But when you talk about arms, I always root for arms feel like it's the lifeblood of the system and an organization and especially currently you don't necessarily draft for need um, but this year if Dolander does fall the the pitcher out of Tennessee it's a college arm who kind of lines up with where the White Sox are going in terms of their projection internally if you compare him to a guy like Cannon and others who are maybe a year a year and a half two years away 
suddenly the White Sox have themselves internal depth that was developed by themselves, their organization, they're familiar with these names drafted, and it's their product entirely. And of course, they're going to have to fill with some free agent signings, but that's a shock to the system if Dolander falls. So we're rooting for that. We're also, uh, I'd like to mention to Walker Martin, shortstop out of Colorado. He's a prep that might fall to the White Sox at 15. The White Sox have been interested. And there's also information regarding Yoandi Morales. He's a third base power hitter, a college bat. So the White Sox do need some power infused into their system, but I'm with Elijah. I'm kind of rooting for either a prep or a college arm, preferably college arm and specifically Dolander. But um, there's so many opportunities and so many possibilities for the White Sox at 15. We hope you can join us on Sunday at 6 o'clock. That is the 9th, July 9th. Elijah, thanks so much for all the hard work, and thank you for being so good at what you do. Appreciate your contributions here at Future Sox, and we'll talk to you next week because what we do is record this every week for you. For Elijah Evans, my name is Mike Rankin. This is the Future Sox Roundup. We'll talk to you all next time.